0: You are listening to Scoop B
1: Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoopy Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoopy and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on this media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R A D I O.com slash P O L L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that, the link will be in the description. You're
2: listening to
1: Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. E-K Manny Manny L. Scoopy Radio. Yo, you know what's official if Barry Bonds said, yo, the best in the business. That's word and scoop. You either tune in to read the word from scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B say it, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews. He give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast. The Jordan the journalist. The goat. So why ask? Watch out! If watch out! If he naming him, ScoopBee.com. Do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift. Got the gift to gab. If he say this it gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it going Enough of this talking. This is Scoop B Radio. You're listening to Scoop B Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scooby. him. At Scoop Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoop B Radio. Radio. Over on the plane. On the train. Everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy. Instagram is at Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. Make sure, most importantly, that you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or simply by uh, visiting the ScoopBRadio.com. Scoopy Radio is on the move with 2.1 million streams last year. One of the reasons why is because we bring notable and newsworthy people to the podcast, and that's no exception here. Is we have NBA legend Kenny Thomas on the podcast. Kenny, welcome to Scoopy Radio. Hey, what's Radio. up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, but of course, of course, of course, man. Uh, how? First of all, how are you doing in all of this coronavirus pandemic stuff?
2: Man, 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 man. I'm just, I'm just trying to stay safe myself. And and I'm just it's it's been a it's been a big shock to everybody. But at the same time, man, we need to keep in mind like people are dying, and we we just need to we, we need to stay with our with our social distancing. I mean, we we really need to stay on top of that. I think we're not we're failing as human beings as far as doing that. Man. Well said. Um,
1: you um are like a lot of other players that I have
2: past or present
1: that I've spoken to in the past. Um, who have discussed social distancing and just, you know, what to do and had Stefan Marbury on and he, you know, discussed masks and, you know, having masks shipped to his borough of Brooklyn. Um, we've had Shaq on, with Shaq has discussed the social distancing and how, you know, growing up in Newark and the projects prepared him for staying in the house and being uh, proactive. You're in Northern California, um, and you, uh, have been busy more so on the lines of your app which is launching in july as well as your ppe supplies uh, which you know people can find at stackmed.com tell me a little bit more about that
2: so the 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 first thing with the whole covid situation is it's being able to uh get an opportunity to get involved with saving lives um most importantly um like you just said you can go to stackmed.com and look at some of the different applications that we have to offer. And at the same time, it's it's about saving lives. And we gotta really like keep an eye out that what Be we're real doing real. right now with using masks and the different things that are necessary, Um we need to keep in mind like this is value. This is valuable because we're talking about people's lives. And right now, we got our generation that's coming up that's um, looking for some leadership. And this is where uh, this is an unfortunate situation that's happened, but the thing about it is, it, this right here should help us come together more to take care of our society and just please stay with the social dis distancing and all that stuff. So, um, it's 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 a great opportunity for me to just be able to save lives, man. That's really what I'm looking into. But at the same time, it's a it's a business. So,
1: it's a business. And make sure you check out stackmat.com You can get more information as well as kennythomas.com. Um, you got a lot of things moving on, uh, your AAU program in Philadelphia, New Mexico, and Sacramento. Tell me a little bit
2: more about that. Yeah. So before, before all this happened, before all this happened, I had a great situation as far as like bringing the different communities that I've been a part of. If it's New Mexico, um, if it's, uh, Houston, Texas, if it's Philadelphia, or if it's Sacramento. Um, I have a boy by the name of Rodney Vinny that's up in Philly that used to look out for me because Catino Mobley, I played with him in Houston and then I got traded to Philly. He, he hooked me up with him. You know what I'm saying? And then just being there in Philly, it was a whole different culture change for me from being on the West coast, East coast, which I love Philadelphia. You learned the word John like, this. Oh my God, that John. And that, and that, and that fried fish sandwich and, the, and the corner store and everything else. Um, just the just the whole culture in Philly, man. And then my boy Rodney Vinny. Uh, Vinny um, so it's the um, Philly pride. So basically what we're going to do is take my name and put it in the front of all the teams and try and develop some kind of unity to be able to bring the kids together. The whole end goal is to give these kids a chance for an opportunity to get scholarships to play college ball. It doesn't have to be D1. It's just a matter of getting them a higher learning to be able to progress in their lives outside of basketball. You
1: no, know, that's real. You of Kenny Thomas. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, um, Magic Johnson is a mentor of yours. And um, yeah. he is somebody who's so always been outspoken, knew where to speak, knew how to speak, and more. Um, I'm curious to know from your perspective, um, when you look at the Jordan documentary that's going on and, um, you know, the entrepreneurship and just knowing a brand that Michael had, and you look at Magic Johnson, who some would say was more successful off the court than on. When you look at the difference between Magic and Michael on
2: the business side, where do you draw the line? Well, you really can't draw the line because they're their own unique individuals when it comes to even basketball. You know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. like they and then you, you think about basketball and then you think about business. They all they they have their own brands and what what's good for one brand might not be good for the other brand. You know what I mean? And the fact that being able to have magic, we, we have the same business attorney. His name is Ken Harris and it's Ken Harris and associates and. Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
2: Just me being able to use Magic Johnson's name is a blessing. Um, But at the same time, it's me trying to figure out my own path and the different things that I am trying to um, develop as far as using my brand to follow in his footsteps, which is unreal and a blessing. Um, It's just, I mean, we sit up here watching The Last Dance and everything. You see Michael Jordan and and, and Magic going at each other. It's like, wow. I mean, but at the same time, Magic was the head of his era, but here's Michael Jordan coming in and the young fella taking over, um, from that perspective. And it, it's just, the it's even on the USA team, it's just a matter of the, the mad respect that Magic Johnson had, um, playing on that team. And it's just, it's, it was just unreal. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think a Tennessee, uh, uh, A 10-series show right now is good enough. I think we need more, actually.
1: Tell me something. During your time in Houston towards the end and maybe the first or second year in Philadelphia, you uh, being an undersized power forward that did work, I, I tell people all the time when I look at, the NBA's Eastern Conference in Philly, Kenyon Martin and yourself were two of the most undersized power forwards that played, like small forwards, or were in the shape of small forwards, but played power forwards. What was it like guarding Michael at
2: 40 when he was at the Wizards? Oh, man, let me tell you this. We were on the free throw line at the end of the game. I was in Philly, I think, and when, when he was um, playing on the Wizards, and it was just an honor to be next to him on the free throw line forever, how long that was. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I stood right there and I asked him if I could have his shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just turned and looked at me and just gave me that Michael smile. <laughs> so here's the million dollar question: Did you get yeah. it? No. <laughs> no. Um. No. I mean, I was a groupie man. I got I got some jerseys signed. I got I got Shaq. I got Shaq's shoes. I got Tim Duncan. I got um Yolanda Griffith who played for the Monarchs. Mm-hmm. I got Brad Miller. I even got a pair of Elton Brand shoes when he had the Converse. Elton, yes. I'll send you a picture of those. I got those too. Um uh who else? Man, I got a Isaiah jersey I need to get signed at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some AI shoes. I got a Olajuwon ball. I got a Carmelone jersey. I'm going to tell you a story about Carmelone. This is a good one. Okay. So I was in Houston, and at the same time, I'm always seeing Carmelone on TV, right? So mm-hmm. me playing against him, I'm like, I didn't like the call that the ref made one time. So, you know, I got teed up. And then here we are again, thinking I am who I am. Yeah, right. Next thing you know, I get another tee. So automatic ejection if you get two T's. And you know, back in the day, I was only, I think it was my second year, I was making 700000 mm-hmm. So I'm like, I was hurting. That was 2500 man, that came out of my pocket. Wow. Just saying.
1: Well, it seems like you may end up now post-career with some of the things that you're doing. Um, but I, I'll be honest with you, man. I am familiar with your name, having gone to school in the Philadelphia area for, for undergrad and you know, go to School of Eastern, which is down the street from Villanova and working downtown, taking classes community. Like, you were part of a Sixers team um, that was in an interesting place. Um, Allen Iverson was on that team. Uh, and, and, you know, you guys were kind of looking to make runs after your appearance in the NBA Finals before you got there. Um, I guess my question is, when you look at Allen Iverson um, and what he brings to the table – Uh, was it,
0: were you a fan
1: then? Were you a groupie then? Like you were talking about Michael, like what was it like being going,
2: going on the court with him every day? Allen Iverson? Yeah. It was, so I played against Allen in the NCAA tournament in the second round. Mm -hmm. So I got a taste of that already. Okay. So in, in the first quarter, he only had like 12 or 13 points. I mean, first half. He only had like twelve or thirteen points, but then he came back in the second half and had like thirty. something. but that was my first experience with with uh, being around AI. But then being able to come to Philly and have that guy on your team—I mean, talk about somebody that would go to war with you every single night—and the passion and the emotion would come out. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 sometimes it could be it could get misconstrued, like he's coming at you and. I'm not even going to lie. I'm a prime example of that from the standpoint because I'm thinking I'm doing everything, um, not everything right, but whatever moment that was, I was doing what I was doing. But he's just very passionate. And somebody that is that passionate has a different kind of desire. And I think that's why he was in the elite category that he was in, which is the Michael Jordan, The Magic Johnson. And just being able to play, like, with Charles Barkley and Keem Olajuwon and learning from those guys, I had dreamed, like, the whole year, I think, my rookie year. That right there was an honor as well. You know what I mean? Weren't you on that team with with, uh, Pippen as well? No. So what happened was, like, I got – Pippen got traded when I came in, that Portland trade. Like, seven guys came over, like Carlos Rogers and – and Stacey Odman and um, I I mean, a good, you. like, four more guys came over when Pippen left that year. Well, tell so, me something. If I'm not mistaken, you were on that team
1: when Shat and Barkley got yes. into it. Yes. Tell yes. me something, because I've asked them both about it, and they, they tell the story differently. Okay, what they What said? was
2: said leading up to that by both of those guys? I was on the bench, so I don't know what was said. Okay. okay. But it happened right in front of our bench. And then when I saw Charles pick him up, but he had to get below his waist a little bit to pick him up. But when I saw Charles pick him up, I was like, oh, my God, Charles just picked up Shaq. Like, how does that happen? (laughs) That does not happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah, no, I
1: mean, when when you talk about that, that was like a moment. It's like Charles always played bigger than he was. But when you oh
2: start my to God. pick up I'm like, damn. Yep, yep. And then that's why I mean, in college they used to call me Shaq of the Whack.
1: Huh? They if you want to
2: look that up, they used to call me Shaq of the Whack, Man, I was like, they ain't trying to blow. So I mean, they ain't trying to be that dude. But yeah, I was. I was, I was that dude. First touch, first
1: shot for Kenny Thomas. Talking about interior, and that's why Kenny Thomas is so important. He's got a
2: wide body and the quickness and the athletic ability to play against a very physical and deep front
0: line at the Hoyas. Here they go. Hey, Thomas packs it in for New Mexico.
2: <laughs> but I was I was big, though, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, at Utah, I had to go up against Keith Van Horn. I had Andre Miller. I had yeah. Michael Doliak. I got, uh who else? Hannah. The shooter, Hana, whatever his name is, but man, just just the fact of being able to play in the NBA was like an unreal dream, and just being able to associate myself with some of the greats is is a blessing, man. What was he playing against Keith Van Horn like? He was a guy that that
1: was a, a guy, the guy in college, and then in the NBA it seemed like in New Jersey was the best. He couldn't find his place, and then he just kept getting traded. What was it like going against Keith Van
2: Horn in college? Man, Keith Van Horn, I, I guarded him, but I didn't guard him that much. He was a shooter, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a guy that liked to drive, didn't really want light like, contact like that to a certain extent. Where with, with me, I was the opposite. But keep in mind, I played with Keith Van Horn on the sixth. Here comes Snow, it's
0: a three on two. Van Horn. Thomas with the rebound. And the bucket. See, that's what Thomas is so
1: comfortable because he's played in the lane, close to the basket throughout his collegiate career and his early years uh, in the NBA. I played
2: with Keith. I played with Keith, so it was with Larry Brown still. So what Larry Brown did was, because I could guard the 3, 4, and the 5 depending on the matchups that night. <laughs> so what Larry Brown would do, depending on who the 3, the 4, the 5 was, he would put me on the better <laughs> offensive person. Right.
1: For you, um, Larry Brown, um, he's a guy that's won on the college level. He's won on the NBA level. Is he really as difficult as people make him seem?
2: No, I still talk to him too. Like, like (laughs) I can't lie, but it is from the standpoint of he does consistently, consistently coach. And he he might overcoach. Okay. But he he sees something in you that he's trying to get out. And at first, I used to get so mad and I used to not understand because he, it would always get to the point to where I would always drive to the, not always drive to the basket, but when I drove to the basket, I would always counter with the spin. You know what I'm saying? So he was like, Kenny, Kenny, drive in there. Trust me, just drive in there and pull up. They're not going to block your shot. They don't know where you're going to pull up. I was like, this man is crazy. I'm undersized already, and you want me to dribble in whenever it is and just stop and pull up. I was like, no. Then when I finally did it, I was like, holy crap. Okay, this really makes sense now.
1: Allen Iverson went on a practice rant years ago that is still in Lexicon in sports today. Million dollar question: When he was on in practice, what was he like?
2: He was just like he was when he played. When he stepped on the court, he was competitive, regardless. Regardless, like put it like this: like even before I was a Sixer, I my my agent had me go up to Philly. You remember John Hardnett?
1: I know the name.
2: So John Harden, I used to go up there when he was running the gym when I was a rookie. Mm-hmm. I used to go up there to Philly. And then for the for the, for the the first, like, half of my career, I was up in Philly. And then mm-hmm. the, the other half, I was in San Antonio mm-hmm. with the Spurs right before the season started. They gave me their facility, everything. Like, I was right. there. Like, I moved down there for, like, three months, mm-hmm. just like I did with Philly. I would say right. two months. Right before the season, I left my family and everything and moved away for like a couple of months for that discipline. But I was already in Philly before I got traded there. And I think the buzz and all that was already there with Larry Brown wanted me to come to Philly. Right. So it was, a, I thought it was a great move for me going to Philly because in Houston, they weren't going to be able to pay me anyway. Because they had just paid Calvin Cato forty two, I think, and then they gave Maurice Taylor forty eight. And and they did me a favor by trading me. So I'll never forget that as far as the the, the ownership side. Carol Darson traded me, so Were you
1: in Houston at that point when Steve Francis was
2: there? Because he came in, like, 99-2000, right? We the same year. Him and Elton Brand were 1-2. I went 22. I was a 22nd pick by Houston. Why is Steve Francis so overlooked now? What do you mean now? Like, I feel like when
1: people talk about guards, the way that people get excited about Derrick Rose being a combo point guard and that that's good for the game I feel like a lot of people made Steve Francis out to be a ball hog. And I feel like he could play well in this era
2: better than he did when he came in. Uh when I say ball hog, you gotta understand we came in the same year and we still talk too. We came in the same year and we we, we call each other rooks. Right. And 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 we isolated a lot. Yeah. So he was able to do what he wanted to do. You gotta remember Charles wasn't there yet, and I think Charles got hurt at the beginning of the year, and he was gone, and then Dream was there. Yeah, and then, yeah, he popped his Achilles. And Dream was there, we posted up. But other than that, it was Catino and Steve going one-on-one, and I, how I started getting on the floor is, I stood on the wing or in the corner and knocked down three. So, mm-hmm. then that's how I got my shot. You know what I'm saying? And then, next thing you know, I was able to start getting involved with the ISO, and then after like the first 45 games, I ended up being, I ended up starting, and then I started for like the majority of my career then. And then like the last couple years, I wasn't a starter. So, and I was on the NBA ballot for like the, like eight or nine years out of my 11.
1: So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Scoopy radio on the line with Ken Thomas, talking all
1: things business, uh, Alan Averson, Charles Barkley and a myriad of other things. He was the 22nd overall pick in the 1999 NBA draft, stayed at a university in New Mexico in Albu- Albuquerque. Uh, for those who are keeping score at home, he is second in the local all-time scoring list with 1,931 points, uh, on the career blocks list with 239, and career dunks list with 114. And he also leads the schools list at career rebounds. Uh New Mexico. If I'm not mistaken, Luke Longley went to New
2: Mexico. Yeah, you got Luke Longley, who played with uh, with Michael Jordan back in that era. Um, you got Michael Cooper. You got uh, that played with Magic Johnson. You got Mel Daniels. That was with Indiana for a while, playing um, in the executive office for a while. You got, you even got Danny Granger that came for like a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? That's it <laughs> from that standpoint. But there's there's a, there's a, there's some other great players. You got Charles Smith. That's the yep. leading scorer. That was my roommate. I still talk to him. Clayton Shields. Uh, he's right there too. Um, you got you got some big time players that still came out of there. It hasn't been the same since I left, and I will admit that.
1: You played in Sacramento with Ron Artest.
2: Yeah. What was that (laughs) experience like? (laughs) My boy Ron. We still talk too. Um, Ron, Ron, I, I would say Ron is just like Alan from that standpoint. He's very competitive. And when he's in that zone or in that frame of mind, he doesn't see anything else. And he could come at you, but I don't, it's, it's not personal. It's, it's about winning. And, and I think. They want to. They they want everybody around them to compete at the same level that they are. Um, I had a I had a great time playing with Ron, and then at the same time when when you see him, Ron going into the stands and doing all that stuff, Ron is not Ron, Ron. is not that bad, dude. But at the same time, he did give us a copy of his CD when he when he released that in Sacramento as well. <laughs> Can he flow? <laughs> he can go a little bit, but at the same time, I just heard uh, Lou. Uh, mm-hmm. Lou, oh my God. I can't. Will. Lou Will. Williams. Will. Lou Will. Will. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He can go. He can go. I just downloaded his album, one of them. <laughs> Tell me something.
1: You on oh, Martin Luther King in
2: two thousand. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm
1: got into a fist fight with Sharif Abdulraheem uh, between the Houston Rockets and that Atlanta Hawks game. You and Sharif got suspended for three games, and you both got fined $15,000 because you threw an elbow and Abdulraheem threw several punches. Jason Terry was also suspended in one game and fined 7500 for throwing a punch. Who was the first person from
2: your family to call you and yell at you? Me? Say what? Me? Tell me more. After after I realized how much money I had left on the table, <laughs> and it, and it, and it, and and my elbow wasn't coming from a standpoint of of trying to hit him from that perspective. That that's that's not my character. I think we were both being competitive, and it got to that point. I think there might have been some frustration on both sides, <clears throat> and knowing me him being who he is, it probably, I probably got heated because I probably wasn't getting treated like I should have been, but who knows. But the nice thing about it is is that we ended up being teammates here in Sacramento. Sacramento. (laughs) And it was like nothing even happened. So they tried to bring that up back then too when he had first came to Sacramento because I think I was already here for... A half the year because I was in that trade with Chris Weber and then like when 24 hours they came to Philly and then I had to switch jerseys in Philly and play so. wait time out
1: say what happened again
2: oh yeah you didn't know that so no. basically, basically uh, Sacramento was coming to Philly after all star break and I got the call that I got traded and I flipped jerseys and I think our first game was in Philly because I was already there. And I switched jerseys in Philly. Did you get time to practice
1: before then?
2: I think I had – I think we might have had a game or two on the road before. No, 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 no. I think I had one, one practice maybe. And then we played in Philly. And then I went on with them for the rest of the road trip. Hmm. So I know, like, when you get traded to the Sixers,
1: you stay at that hotel on City Line Avenue for a little while until you find the place. In Sacramento, how hard was it? Like, did you have to, like, go to the game, go to, leave your house, go to the game, then go home and pack, and then go on the road? Like, what, what was the process when you
2: left to go to Sacramento? So I was in, so, oh, so when I left Philly, we were actually in New York about to play the Knicks mm-hmm. and I got the phone call from Billy King that I got traded to Philly. I mean, to Sacramento, Radio. right? I got traded to Sacramento. So the next day I had to find a way back. I think I, they got me a ride back to Philly and then I packed the bag. And went wherever they were, and then I just rented a house, and I just ended up staying in fact, and my ex wife took care of everything in philly. Wow, so it's like even little like this when I got traded from Houston to Philly, I got the call from Rudy T and I was getting ready for a game because it was my pre-nap. And then I woke up about the shower of everything. I called from Rudy T. Told me I'd been traded. And next thing you know, I was on the plane to Philly. And it's like my house in Houston. And I had just gotten in my house in Houston for like a month or 2 I'm curious. Um, do most players
1: get calls that they're traded before they hear it in the news? When you play? Like, what what have you heard from some of your other peers? Man, it, it depends on who you
2: are, man, I guess. Um, I, I heard that there's contracts to where, um, players have to agree to the trade. And I'm pretty sure that they've gotten in there to where, um, they probably had to get a call. The thing about me was, man, I signed on that dotted line. It didn't matter after that. Mm-hmm. And I never, it was never, I never got a heads up when I was going to be traded. Never. It was it was always a phone call away. four hmm. Both times just a phone call.
1: You mentioned Rudy Tomjanovich as your head coach and there's a lot of wealth of just people you've been around, Scoopy Ray, Ray on the line me with TV Thomas down. and uh Robert Ory uh once discussed with me the difference between Phil Jackson and Rudy Tomjanovich and Greg Popovich. And uh, you know while we were talking Um, He just talked about, you know, how impressed he was with Rudy and how simplistic the offense was, but how, you know, how passionate Rudy P is about the game of basketball. Can you tell me more about Rudy? I've never met Rudy, but I'm, I'm very interested in his coaching style.
2: When I when I was with Rudy, it was one of those things to where if he sees that you're playing hard, one. Two if you're doing what you're supposed to, he's going to give you an opportunity. And I think three, if you're knocking down shots, he's going to to give you more opportunity. To me, Rudy was the, Rudy Tomjanovich was the type of coach that gave you freedom if you were producing and he felt confident in you. When I was playing with him, he gave me an opportunity to ISO a lot off the block or right there on the elbow to where he knew like I had a, a quicker advantage opposed to trying to back down like a Tim Duncan. That's not going to be an advantage for me. Mm-hmm. So that's where he incorporated the four-man being able to ISO, just like Coutinho Mobley and Steve Francis was doing. You know what I mean? So then once the double team came, it would open up something else. And then if you were open, you got to knock down an open shot. Because obviously if – they're leaving you open. They're leaving you open for a reason because there's better shooters on the floor. If you're not knocking down the shots, you're going to come out. No, that's real. Uh, Sacramento, if I'm not mistaken, you played under Rick Adelman, correct? Yes. And keep in mind, I had 10 coaches in 11 years, too.
1: Say that
2: again? I had 10 coaches in 11 years.
1: Who all did you play for besides the ones mentioned?
2: Oh, my God. Okay, so Rudy Tomjanovich won. Larry Brown, two. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Randy Ayers, three. Right. Uh, that's Philly. Chris Ford, four. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I love Chris Ford. Allen Iverson and Big Rock, Big Dog, didn't like him.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: the last, like, 30 games under Chris Ford, I averaged, like, 25 and, like, 13. Are you serious? Yeah, I was the go-to guy. Yep. Wow. That was with Samuel Dallenberg in them. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so, then I had. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Go ahead. You were naming the rest of your soldiers. And then I had after Chris Ford, who else? Um. Then uh. Then I think that was no. Uh, Jesus Christ, what was his name? Uh, Indiana. Um. Jesus Christ, he'll come back. What? Beckham. So, he played. For, he was a head coach for the Patriots, and he's on the bench right now. Um, white guy. Um, Jesus. He coached me in Philly for like a year. Oh, this you talking last about um, year. O'Brien? Yes, him. He even Jim came O'Brien. to a golf tournament for me in New Mexico. Yes,
1: Jim O'Brien. Then, and then he
2: ended up totally just bending me over later, but it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah. He was when he was a plus minus dude. Okay, <laughs> <Regardless>. gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> regardless of what the outcome is or whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and then you got uh Sacramento, you got uh Rick Adelman, you got Reggie Thea, you got Kenny Nat, you got uh Paul Westfall was the last one, and you had Eric Musselman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have ten I had ten coaches, man. I only had one in Houston. Yikes
1: was, it wasn't Van Gunn... Oh yeah, that's right. Van Gundy came after Tom it was, yep. um, it, was really, it was it was it was Johnovich again, yeah, man. Yep. People think about don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion with him when they won those championships. Um, I look at that Sixers team. You guys had names. You just were in the Eastern Conference that was dominated at that time by the Nets. After the Sixers had a mini run, um, Detroit. and Detroit, mm-hmm. and you looked at that Pistons team back then. Did it strike you that after that trade they made to get Rasheed Wallace, um, that they went right to the finals after making that trade and combination of Sean, Ben Wallace, Chauncey Phillips, and Rip Hamilton under your former coach Larry Brown, they all became successful? Did it strike you? were you surprised at how well they did it that they won
2: a the finals that year? No, because I was uh, man, I was so sick when Larry Brown left. I mean, it's one of those things to where he overcoached, but Jesus Christ, I wanted want to go so bad. <laughs> um, because because I knew what I was getting. He would always just tell me, Kenny, he, no matter what was going on, if it was something else, if it was this, this, arguing, whatever, he would always just come to me and say, just play hard. Do what you do. And the way he went and he put that team together, he knew exactly what he was doing. And what's so crazy and what's so nice is that you see Chauncey Billis on the last dance talking about how they all, like, how he just bought into it. But Larry's crazy. <laughs> but he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so the way he put that team together, man. It was, I mean, I, I, I'm still blessed to have to had an opportunity to get the contract that I had. But at the same time, the coaching situation that I went through was, like, insane. But everything happens for a reason. And here I am staying on top at the same time after basketball, so. Billy King, Sixers fans,
1: they seem to dislike him. Um, throughout the process of the Sixers, you've had Billy King. You later had, um, you know, Pinky and Calagelo and now Elton Brand uh, as a general manager. And there's been people in between um, – <clears throat> Billy King and others. I, I just was in college and high school and wasn't paying attention to it. Now that I'm a paid member of the media, I pay attention to it now. That being said, um, why do
2: you think Billy King got a, such a bad rap in Philadelphia? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do know that um, Stephen a. Smith, when he was in Philly didn't like the fact that Billy King signed me for the amount of money he did. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, anybody can, I mean, anybody can have their own opinion. I never, I mean, if Billy was so bad, how did he get an opportunity to go somewhere else? Yeah, directly. So obviously he had to do something right, because somebody, saw, another organization saw something in him, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I'm I'm not, I mean, I'm not addressing that to you. I'm just saying that, like, just in general, like, I mean... I think I deserved everything I got, and Billy King, from the standpoint of what he was able to work with, I think he did the best that he could.
1: What was it like being in a locker room with Stephen A. Smith as a reporter back then with the Inquirer?
2: <laughs> it, it was the, the Stephen A. Smith. He's still the same. Like, he was he's just that dude. Um <laughs> he's just that dude. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what else to say. Just how vocal he is now. He's just doing the same thing. He's just, he's blessed with uh, a lot of more platforms to be able to do it on. You know what I mean? Which is did good you, for him. Did you see then
1: what everybody saw or sees now? Like, did you know that his voice was bigger than Philadelphia and that it was going to be on a global scale? It is now. No. Really.
2: I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> then you better add that too. You better add I'm kidding. Please okay. no, um, I will, I will. Yeah, totally. It was just <sighs> Stephen A. Smith, man, he has the personality and the and the and the, and the no and he's just that dude. In in there, I understand that when
1: he and Al Harrington were high school teammates. Al Harrington used the Notorious B.I.G.'s album to teach Samuel Dallenberg how to speak fluent fluent English. <laughs> Had you ever heard that story? No, I've yes. never heard that story. They went to St. Patrick's High School in Elizabeth, New Jersey. What was Samuel Dallenberg like in the early days with his, during his
2: time with the Sixers? Oh, man, Sam. Um, Always outspoken. Um played hard. Always that good guy in the locker room, laughing, joking. Um because he is from what, Haiti? hmm. Yeah, it, it was a lot I remember we went to dinner one time and and I saw a whole fish with a head on it and everything. I'm like, Okay, Sam, Samuel, what are you doing, man? And he's like, Kenny, he look, the eyeballs and everything. He starting eating it <laughs> all. I'm like, oh my God, bro. <laughs> great guy. It's just, it's just unique. We're, we're we're both from different 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 backgrounds and great guy. Let me find out mean, how he's doing.
1: No, uh, yeah. Well, I have to find out how he's doing. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going I'm going to jump up you i to jump up on you i you to Undecided or positionless basketball is a thing in today's NBA. The Golden State Warriors have surely been a, a trend uh, with how they've been able to play basketball in the Steve Kerr. I was looking at a list from Bleacher Report the other day, and they used the top five players in the 2010s. And they mentioned LeBron James, um, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, um, and a couple other guys. But at center. They made Draymond Green the center in that 2010 list, and it just felt weird. Um, but the Leisure Report also left out in the pre-80s or pre-70s. They left out Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Will Chamberlain. I think we just heard in an era where just people see things from different perspectives. I say that to Seth. Draymond Green is six 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 seven, playing bigger than what he is in Golden State. If you were
2: playing in today's NBA, how would you fare? Oh, I would be fine. Are you kidding me? Um, I'm not just saying it just to say it. It's me being the size that I am. I think it's, it would benefit the situation because the game is obviously going smaller and the game is more, I think it's more custom to shooting jump shots and in, in outside play than it is inside play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's totally shifted. And I think that I, I just think the NBA is trying to get up points now. And the fact that I'm able to shoot, I think I would fit right into the situation. And what's, wh- what's even, what's even better is the kind of money they're making right now, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's all good. It's, I, I hope they stay where they are, especially after this COVID situation, but it's going to be very interesting, um, to see what happens, um, from that perspective, but, I just hope these guys are okay and our union is taking care of them because I know there, I hate to say it, but there might be some guys that need some assistance and things. So I just, I, I just hope everybody's okay. And if not, I just hope that the resources um, behind the scene is helping. So do you have an interest in reconnecting with the 76ers
1: organization?
2: Yes, I do. I've tried to get in with the organization from the alumni standpoint. Um, I think they've tried to figure it out. I know they have they're big guys that they na- that they have, like AI and everybody that's there, but I'm coming from the standpoint of I have things to offer. I'm not coming with the handout. I am coming with <laughs> with things to offer. Um, I don't know how to I know I said that twice, but
1: um, <laughs> I'm
2: not I'm not coming with a handout. You know what I'm saying? Like like I don't know. You just hear stories about guys, but yes, I would love to. And at the same time, my name might not be big enough Mm -hmm. because I'm not playing anymore. Mm -hmm. But at some point, like even with the PPE supplies, I have a couple of resources that's trying to get it in the NBA. And I hope that they see that it's an opportunity to help the players and and not focus on the fact that it's me because maybe I don't have a big enough name or something like that. But I have a two-star general that's involved with the situation as well. So there's more credibility there from that perspective. But we'll see what happens, man. Um I, I, I eventually one day want to own a franchise team, whatever that may be, or – a few teams i'm very ambitious and Scoop i don't radio. i don't see anything that i can't do from that standpoint but i see it like i'm on the basketball court if i'm determined something's going to happen and things are happening and i have more things to come but i just can't talk about them right now yet
1: you heard it first kenny thomas joined the scoopy radio Brother, where can people again? Well, actually, I can answer that own question for you. Make sure to follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Kenny Thomas um, But most than anything else, uh, you said you can't talk about all that stuff. But before we let you go, where can people find more information about you and everything you have going on?
2: So once again, KennyThomas.com is continuously being updated. Um, like you just said, Kenny Thomas NBA on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Snapchat is I am Kenny Thomas. Um, from the standpoint of just following, just keeping up, I'll be posting. Um, just check out the different things that I have going. Um, multiple things in the pipeline and I'm still trying to get back to our community. And just to let you know, I got a, I got a, I got an older son that got Georgetown second year. No basketball. Nice. He's, yeah. He's right there with Pat Ewing, but no basketball. So smart trying to become a lawyer. And I got a twelve-year-old kid that's right here in Sacramento. Two boys. You know it first. Thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, I know I'll see you down the line. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate I'm you. be. you there? I told you.
1: This is Scoobie Radio saying, "You bring the coffee, and I'll bring the Duncan." on Hold
0: up.